Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Joel for... Uh, we still haven't given this a name, but we're going to be talking about the Terminator today, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be talking about Terminator 2, maybe some of the other Terminators if we can get that far. And I think we're eventually going to come back around and do our alternate RoboCop trilogy of the Verhoeven movies, right? We're going to do like the the, the Verhoeven uh, trilogy of oh yeah, yeah, yeah the Verhoeven uh, yeah. trilogy. Total yeah. we'll Recall and uh, yeah, that the spiritual trilogy of uh, of RoboCop. Um, so yeah. so, anyways, we did the Terminator. Um, I'm sure everybody has seen this. I don't know if I need to give any details about it, but it's a 1984 film directed by James Cameron. It obviously stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, and it's it's essentially kind of like a a sci-fi thriller meets slasher movie type of film, right? Would you say that's an accurate description yeah, of it? It's pretty um, accurate, yeah. And uh, it's you know, it's, and it's very much kind of got the spirit of like a um, like a road action movie too. Like there's like a lot of stuff happening <laughs> in the streets in this movie. Um, it's kind of like in sort of like Road Warrior style. So um, so yeah. So I don't know. We want to get into what our first experience with this film is and sure. you know, is that it's such a classic that I don't know who wants to go first? Well, it's gotta be uh, Adam, right? Like he, he always has the first experience. Well, he's the senior <laughs> member of the podcast. So I, yeah, I mean this, this movie is uh, significant to me. It is one of the, it was kind of, it came out like when I was 12 and I was just getting into watching like violent R movies and stuff. And I, this was something when it came out, my school just exploded with people talking about this movie and I had to, had to see it. I, I ended up not seeing it till it hit video because I wasn't good. Actually, I, interestingly enough, the first R movie I saw in a theater was aliens, which, uh, you know, was Cameron's follow up Ooh, to this. That is but, a uh, choice movie is your first one to see in theaters is R though. Mm. Oh my God! Yeah, just yeah, the beauty of the movie. Plus that, aha, I got into an R movie, even though <laughs> I'm only like 14. This is awesome. Yeah, that was that was a wonderful experience. But uh, yeah, I first time I saw this, this movie just completely blew me away. I mean, I haven't probably haven't watched it in more than 20 years. Watched it again last night, and as I was going, just all the dialogue in my head, I was like, "Oh my god, I I don't anymore." But I was like, I, at one point, I probably had every single yeah. line dialogue yeah. in this movie memorized. It was all just coming back to me. But yeah, I I have this movie is just such a just such a perfect ride. Everything about it, I love. But I, I like it so much, it's hard for me to even be eloquent about it. So let's go to uh, the next. Uh, Oh yeah, there's there's no fat on this movie, man. That's something that's really yeah. admirable about it. It is lean, mean, and absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. My my first experience with this was when I was um. So I must have been eight when this came out, eight or nine. And yeah, I I definitely did not see it in the theater, but I saw it on video probably shortly after. I would have at least seen it before Commando came out because I know this was the first Arnold movie I saw. I know I saw it at a friend's house on video. And it was definitely a movie I was not supposed to see. Like, I, I had to pretend that I hadn't seen it because I remember when my dad did show me. A, he he basically showed it to me at one point, but he fast forwarded through a lot of the scenes. So, yeah. like, you know, so but I pretended that it was the first time that I had seen it. Um, and so it was the first Arnold movie. It was probably the beginning of my interest in him as an actor as a kid where it was like, he was, he just became this heroic figure to us. But this was also a movie that's so different from most of his others because it's a scary movie. He's the bad guy. 
Um, and and like Adam was saying, we just we watched it so much over and over again that we mm-hmm. knew all the dialogue. And even when I was watching, I watched it the other day with my mom and every scene like it's just it's 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 just all burned into my my memory. I, I couldn't recite it because it's been a long time. But as each scene comes up, it's so familiar sounding because you've seen it so much. Um, yeah, and I can kind of cut in real quickly with one point I forgot to bring up, too, is that. The significance of when this first came out, too, was that, you know, 1984 was around the height of nuclear fear. It was like the nuclear war element of this was really, really potent in 1984 in a way that you can't even really quite wrap your head around now. And also all the technology, too, because computers were entering the home. Like, like I I think we got our first personal computer in, like, 86 so after this yeah. movie came out do you know yeah. what I mean but like Actually, that's like, 84 for me it was the same yeah. year I, I got my first computer nah, okay but yeah like in the 80s I you know is when you know you started seeing computers in the home and it just became it, and of course you started seeing them in movies and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. I mean I think a lot of that stuff definitely obviously something like AI I think that was a little bit obscure to me this was probably my introduction to the concept of did they even uh-huh. use the language of artificial intelligence when they talked about skynet in this in, in the first film or does that come later uh, a little a little bit they talk about they talk about how it uh well i don't know i don't know if they use artificial they just said it was self-aware i don't, they, I don't know right? if they used and, the term i mean it was a pretty common term already but i, I don't well, know you had you had stuff like how you had things like how yeah, and that before this, this. But, yeah. but I feel like, but now it feels like AI, as we talk about, like, this is the, this is the movie that people refer to when they're talking about AI. Like, it's always, when does AI get good enough to be like the Terminator? That's like the, yeah, Skynet has become a uh, shorthand for, for, uh, but but because of that, we kind of look backwards at this, whereas this would have been thinking of it, I think, in different terms than yeah, than a post yeah, the, the internet world. wasn't really a thing yet. Most yeah. people, I mean, computers were around, but most people hadn't actually used them at this point. So yeah, it's, in fact, the, he even mentions it being connected to everything, and I have the feeling he was thinking in terms of like the old military internet that the real internet that the modern internet is based on, right? Like it was a yeah, Wasn't ARPANET. Like, ARPANET was that it? Yeah. Of. That was okay. the original basis of the internet. Yeah, and it, it seems to be tapping into that vein. I agree. Because it's not talking about it like the way we interact with the internet. Because that didn't even come around yeah. until the next decade. Like, it wasn't until really the mid-90s that, like, the internet, internet, like, like Web 1.0 stuff was even getting to the point where it had a lot of, like, larger cultural traction. So, yeah, yeah this way predates that. Like prodigy. Yeah, the World Wide Web was like 91 or so. Oh, yeah, I remember when they called it that, or the Information Superhighway. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Well, I, mean, I used the internet in the 80s, but there was no World Wide Web, so yeah. it was a very different text-based well, experience. When you, I had <laughs> I had a friend who used it, and it was literally yeah. it was like watching somebody perform alchemy. It was just a very <laughs> specialized yeah. type of skill and if you didn't know what they were doing it was like what the hell is that like okay they, the, and and the phone was involved and just all this crazy stuff mm. um, yeah but uh yeah i i think i think too it's interesting because some of the themes that they're trying to address in this movie i think would get missed by an audience that was raised on google and not on television 
and not on the technologies that we were like, just as an example, there's a scene where there's a, I think like it's a mother and a son or a mother and daughter or something like that in the, in like the refugee area where the Terminator comes through and they're, yeah. they're sitting in front of a TV. And when the camera yeah. pans around, it's all on fire. <laughs> and you realize, yeah. Oh, that's like a meaningful image that sort of, maybe trying to thread some themes in the movie. But I think yeah. that that might get lost if, if, because in the modern version, that would have to be an iPhone or something or a, do you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't really connect in the same way as a, well, yeah. a, a television yeah. served at that time. Yeah. That around um, the TV isn't the common thing it used to be. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and there is that, but like, there is something that's kind of primal about the image. that still communicates, you know, the idea that they're just watching fire. They're gathered around a fire yeah. inside yeah. the TV box. is a good fusion of those things. Cause that's the thing that people will probably always do is gather around fires and watch them for entertainment. So. Yeah. I really liked that image, by the way. Anytime they flash to the future, it's it's just so miserable and yeah. weird and hostile, and I really yeah. love it. And well, I, I like yeah. that, oh, God, it's it's hard to overpraise a movie this ingenious, right? It, it is. Uh, and one of the things that I like about it a lot is uh, Kyle, one of the many things to like about that character is his flashbacks, because he, he's got, like, Vietnam flashbacks about a war that hasn't happened yet yeah <laughs> yeah how unnerving oh it's, it's, I, yeah i love the touches like him just watching the construction equipment and that just triggering him just you know that 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 is fantastic yeah i actually read that like michael bain he you know he, he was reluctant to take the role because he wanted to be a serious actor and cameron kind of talked him into it but you know bain went and like studied like the polish resistance in world war ii and what it was like for people mm. in warsaw fighting the nazis and stuff you know as as guerrillas and stuff so it was it's like he he was really trying to capture something there and well, i think that really came through in the movie oh yeah between that fantastic between that and the way it was shot and directed, they captured the future scenes so much better than the later version of yes. the movie. And I yeah. think it's because they stuck to that grimy sort of Warsaw imagery. And yeah. they also, they they just kept it, 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 everything looked dirty, everything looked broken. It was focused on the humanity. It wasn't sleek looking. There, it just no. it just worked. And then the newer version where they go into the future, it just is, it just doesn't, even though they're using more advanced We're so effects. used to, like, the, the Jetsons iPad future now. I hate that. I, I, yeah. I liked the goofiness of the sci-fi killbots in this a lot. Yeah. Because they seemed like something that would have been designed if the world ended right about then by artificial intelligence. <laughs> yes. You know, they yes. just, like, uh -huh. they, like, you know, looked up something like Cyclons, and they're like, ah, good enough. Make a huge version of that. Yeah. It, it, no, it, yeah. It, it, Something I didn't remember is the way that, like, some of them have little police sirens on the top. Like, they were kind of like these prototypes of, you know, Ed 209 or something that, like, that, that Skynet's repurposed to hunt down humans. There's yeah, this little rem having those sirens on top. It was a great touch. That it, uh, and when he's describing the war, it's not just, like, one big bang and humanity's gone. It's, like, not only that, but, like... Cybernet starts rounding up people and putting them in what can only be described as concentration. Yeah, camps. well, that's why the yeah. Warsaw image. That's why all that imagery works because I think yeah. you know it just has that. Um, it, it, you, you can connect to what it's drawing on uh, in a yeah. way that uh, I know. I found that the more recent version, I just didn't connect with it. I could. I couldn't really. Uh, 
make these mental connections. Um, but they're not drawing on that. I mean, because that, that's tapping into a pretty deep, actually historical vein of human misery, you know, yeah. and I'm not proud of that part of history, but like whenever you're authentic in your appeal to the human element of that history, you can make truly moving art in a way that yeah. a lot of movies don't have the boldness to do nowadays. No, and that's, I mean, that's why when he pulls down his sleeve and you see, I mean, it's basically the same thing as the tattoos, mm. you know, from yeah. the Holocaust, except it's a barcode, right? Which is how an AI would approach that. But that's, that's what's interesting about it. And it also, like you said, it's, um, I don't know, it, it just, it, and again, I don't know, maybe World War II would have less resonance now, but I feel like in the 80s when this I, came I out. I still feel like it Yeah, a lot of people of were, there were a lot of people from World War II still around back then. Yeah. I mean, you know, I knew I knew plenty of people back then that it, that, that it had been through World War II. Yeah, I mean, mo mo most of the people my age, their grandfathers were in World War II, right? Like yeah. that was the, you know. Yeah. Um, and we were living in the aftermath of World War II, effectively. So, yeah. you know, there was that. Um, like, so I, I feel like it was, uh, and I get that it still has resonance, but I don't, I think it's different. I feel like there is a difference in terms of how it, um, how it hangs over everything, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, but yeah, I like the, same with the nuclear war thing. It's like that that utter terror that yeah. everyone had of nuclear war in the eighties. It's like it's it's different now. Yeah. So that is making a comeback. That is making a comeback. It is making yeah. a comeback, yeah. but it's I I don't feel it's reached the same level. That uh, yeah, what, what an unfortunate reality that it's yeah. making a comeback. Yeah, I know it's not a good thing, but I'm just saying it's 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 definite like. I'm just happy people are going to enjoy the you, Terminator more. They're really going to appreciate it. That's what I. You are a silver lining kind of dude. I got to tell but, you, Adam. That's inspiring. That's no, but <laughs> yeah, people tell me that it, it was easy to forget how much of a fear it was when we were young in the '80s, and then when it, whenever it starts to rear its head again, it's like, oh yeah, now I remember. Yeah, that feeling. There's a feeling. It, yeah, I remember that, back when 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 uh, Russia invaded Georgia back about I forget how many like a decade ago or so. It was like I actually the day before that happened picked up Watchmen and started reading Watchmen for the first time since I was a kid. And I was like, oh, why is this happening as soon as I start <laughs> reading this book? <laughs> just, yeah, now we now we watch Terminator and like this this is going on. Maybe we should stop indulging in this Cold War era media. I, I think that's bad juju, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a response. Well, at the time, well, the thing is, it, it was a response to the fear because it's like, I mean, nu nuclear annihilation is this thing where you can't do anything about it, right? Like once it starts, oh, like yeah. you're just you're subject to whatever happens at this global catastrophic scale. Well, and, yeah, you have so, no say. Like I, yeah. no, the the psychological reality of that is deep, like profound profoundly unsettling because I, I had a dream once where I was just in an apartment and then I looked out the window and I see a mushroom cloud blooming way too close yeah, on the horizon yeah. and the feeling I got from like the understanding of like I'm not only doomed not, I could never have done anything to prevent this yeah this is yeah. so this is just the universe putting the thumb of God down on where I happen to be I've never felt that pure sense of nihilistic despair as much in my entire existence. Yeah. And like, that was all of life for like decades after yeah. world war two. So, yeah. And I mean, and this is about humanity destroying itself in that way. Like it's that, you know, that, um, uh, 
so I don't know. I mean, I think I think in the eighties, I, I I agree with Adam. Like that, like that feeling that you had with that was that ga- it gave the movie a resonance that it wouldn't have had to somebody who grew up in the early two thousands. Say, I think. Um, yeah. But I do think it might be. I, I think films like this, when when world events change and it becomes an issue again, I feel like they have renewed relevance to what's going on and they probably resonate again more. Um, I, I feel like the part, the other part of the movie, the AI thing has been increasingly, increasingly relevant. It seems. Oh yeah. No Terminator is yeah. more possible now than it ever was. Yeah. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. And it's this movie too. It just, it's, I mean, it's, it's 1984, but it's still, it still ties back to seventies action movies. I feel yeah. like too, just that it's greediness, movie, yeah. the, the car chases and crunchiness of cars hitting each other. Yeah. The, I, I recognition of trauma on the human body in an, because of the things in an action scene is really intense in this movie. It makes it yeah. a really visceral it's, experience. It's not yeah. a superhero action movie. It is a real person. Now, Kyle Reese, he's, he's definitely on, operating at a higher level than the other people in the movie because he's been through war. But as we find out at the end of the movie, he's very human. And that's yeah, something that I really like about dude. the movie. Yeah. I, it makes him, oh God, I love Kyle Reese. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that uh-huh. character so much. Like I can, it, this is one of the only movies where a brief but passionate romance really actually does feel legitimate. It doesn't just feel yeah. like yeah. two people in psychologically trying circumstances forming a pact bond. This feels like the only tiny flash of true love that either of these people could ever yeah. experience. The, the only yeah. the only genre that I've seen it pulled off this well in this kind of movie is like Hong Kong action style films where they kind of yeah. develop the, it's it's mm-hmm. like that's a thing they do and it and it usually works when they do it. And American movies seem to struggle with that because it's it's glib or something. I don't know. There's something well, missing. Yeah. It's um, like having having the scene where the two of them make love part way through the the action movie is like is a is a real trite thing. But I was watching I'm like not only does it emotionally work, it's like, oh, it's actually a pivotal it's there's nothing gratuitous about this scene. Yeah. The plot no. doesn't even make sense if they don't have sex. Yeah, you have to you it, have to have that movie, scene. It's, 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 it's the, the least gratuitous you know, it, sex scene in an action movie you could possibly have. Well, and it's, it, and it's it's touching it's too because scene, yeah. because he he has not been with a woman before. He's apparently been in love with her for a long time and so there's like it's got this sentiment to it that just really works and the character it's believable given where they are in that moment and it's I don't know there's something very very nice about this this romance that transcends the boundaries of time that way that they're able to pull that off. Um it, it, yeah. Like that's a tricky thing to do in a movie. Um, it is and it, it's, uh, it's such an it's what a wonderful hopeful thing to put that true love as the thing that will counter the hideous mistakes of the military industrial complex we, you, know? you know what's funny I, I was paying more attention to the ginger message this time because i've seen it so much and you know she said like she says the whole thing haha fooled you you're talking to a machine which is kind of fun because you know it's the terminator movie but also oh, she God, says even, even think about mach- that. machines need love too that's one of the lines that she puts in there I just thought that was kinda, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh but yeah I, I i i love the i love the romance story i also like how simple it is it's not convoluted or complex it's just a simple thing if he had this picture of her and he and 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 the son kind of paved the way for it in a way because the son had more information, and so the son is able to sort of facilitate 
the romance of his mom and his dad. And that, do you know what I mean? It's a very interesting thing yeah. that the movie is doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that that totally works. I also think the like Adam was saying, the seventies grittiness of this is so enjoy. Like it's why I like this movie and I'm less, less enthusiastic about the later movies in life. Well, yeah, maybe, to make maybe my, when you watch my... the second one, you'll you'll feel a little different. That, remember, you guys are talking about how you memorize this movie at one point in your lives. For me, that was the second one. Yeah. But I could see it with this one. So I think well, they both have a... a they, there's something... I don't want to... Really good about these first I don't, two. I don't want to, like, debate your experience and mine, because I no, feel no, like no. you had a, you had a... I mean, that's your experience. For me, what it was is... I like the second one, but the second one to me feels more rock and roll, if that makes sense. Like yeah, there's a more that's there, there's there's more of a party element to that movie. That's not this movie is a very, very sad film. It's like, oh, yeah. like that's well, the overriding seems... emotion of this movie is sadness, I would say. Here, here's um, the difference is this was a movie the studio didn't even expect to make that much money. It's like the 80s. The 80s were the golden age of, of you know, video stores. And there was this huge ecology of semi to, you know, lower budget end movies that were just made where people could do really creative things. You know, I mean, mm. like, you know, Evil Dead 2, to throw out another random example, or, you know, Tremors, or there were just all these Tremors. movies being yeah. made by, by <laughs> yeah. people that were incredibly creative. And I feel Terminator is part of that genre, which as a teenager, I love just find these movies on cable. Whereas Terminator 2 was a movie that it is a well-made movie, but it was a movie made to be a summer blockbuster. That's well, that's what it was made for. There's two sides to James Cameron too, and I think the side that I prefer yeah. is I prefer when he's operating with more constraints and less of a budget. But I mean, I have to admit, he's like a blockbuster king. Like he makes these great oh, big yeah. budget action movies. Aliens is an amazing movie, for example. Yeah, um, Aliens is really good. But, yeah, but I just love how low key this one is compared. Like this is just a. I I, I kind of wish I could have seen more movies like this from him because I feel yeah. like he would have maybe <laughs> been if, if I had if he had like three or four movies like this under his belt, he'd probably be one of my favorite directors. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Um, you almost did it, get too big too fast. It's uh you know good that. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and, I, and I shouldn't be second guessing it because he made Aliens and then he made Terminator. Well, he made all these movies, yeah. that, you know, but um, it would have been cool. I mean, I would never want to turn turn, you know, Aliens had to have happened. I wouldn't yeah. want to stop from history, but I I would like it would be cool to see what he would have we, made if he stayed in that, that genre, that, that level for a little longer. We could maybe try, trade The Abyss for another film oh, like Terminator. Yeah. yeah, that's an easy trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. especially when you have, what was it? Uh, uh, the Leviathan, what was the other one? Uh, deep, a deep something. star six or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> the exact name, but, but there were enough of those underwater movies going on that it was just, yeah. you know, occupying space that it was like a me having a third meteor movie at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good way of, uh, it's a good way of characterizing it, I think. Yeah, well, um, this wasn't even probably the best of those movies, I think, because I mean, it was just kind of boring. I'm mean, not not that any of them were particularly great movies, but my favorite's Leviathan. Of, Leviathan was my I, favorite of that crowd. That crowd. 
I've forgotten which one is which, to be honest. I, I remember some of them were good schlocky fun. But I, Does I Deep remember. Rising count as that? That was a little later. But I feel like that was a really That might one. be the one that he's... Yes. Hold on. I'll look this up while you guys continue to I talk. I remember the so title. We, we, so. oh, Deep Rising is the one where it turns out it's like a weird undersea monster that like eats people and digests them. Because like, they, they, like a bunch of, I want to say, criminals come across this boat they're going to rob. It's just empty of people. Uh, this is big, like, uh, like Carnival Cruise kind of thing, and they're going through. Oh, yeah. Trapped inside with the monster. I think that and it, it was Deep Star movie. Six, Adam. You got the title right. Okay. What year was Deep Star Six? Do you have that in front? Eighty nine. And I yeah, okay. yeah, all, no. Deep I, I Rising. Deep Rising is ninety eight. So that, yeah, that no, came that was, a lot that later. A decade later. That was a good bet, one. Though. That was. I'll a good bet one. you Leviathan yeah, is also eighty nine. It's either eighty nine or eighty eight. I'll bet. I've never seen Leviathan. I need to put that on my watch list. Such a good. I mean. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't hold up. I, I really loved it. And that was also 89. Even if something maybe isn't a classic, I still think there's merit in watching it, though. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, right. I, I wouldn't be a Terry Gilliam fan if I didn't think that. That's true. <laughs> like, that's, that's aside very from true. Brazil, I don't know if he ever made true art. Like, maybe maybe 12 Monkeys. But like, 12 Monkeys is an amazing movie. I, I really like really, it. really good. But I also yeah, watched Lodge of Tea, which is the exact same movie, but takes like 15 minutes. So. Yeah, but isn't that like all I mean, slides I, or something? You know, it, it is, but I don't care. Bring up 12 Monkeys. I remember my girlfriend at the time and I, we went and saw it in the theater. And the conversation we had afterwards, it popped into my head watching Terminator. Because as you said, the romance kind of angle in this really works. And I was like, yeah, I never really believed that she would fall in love with this crazy guy. Um, <laughs> In uh, in Twelve Monkeys, I didn't I didn't feel like it. it you know, it, it didn't feel like well, they, love. Didn't, they also didn't have the chemistry. Me. There was a chemistry issue yes. too. I think. Um, yeah. Th this just thing, hit on really great chemistry as well. The thing, uh, the thing, the thing. I, one thing I think that the Terminator did really well too was that Reese. It's really when you're seeing Reese kind of stalking her in the early parts, you can see why she's scared of this guy. He really yeah. comes off as this creepy stalker. It's like it would have been it would have been a mistake if to decide, well, we, we want to make it seem plausible. So let's make him as likable and approachable yeah. as possible from the beginning. But by, it works better because they created yeah. this kind of well, it feels real, like every stage of their relationship and the actors are perfect for this. You know, because yes. they, they convey this. Every stage is what it would reasonably be if this situation existed. There's yeah. terror because she knows there's a serial killer on the loose and she's being stalked by this creepy guy who seems out of place and edgy because guess what? <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of the future relies on him and he is an emotionally scarred war veteran in an <laughs> alien world. I, I yeah. Honestly, he's doing great for that. You know, he's also wearing a trench coat, which just screams, trust me. Um, Especially in the mid-80s, that was a big, Oh, yeah, like, that's you know, a big trust me yeah. piece of clothing. Uh, and he kidnaps her, and, like, it's clear pretty early that he's saving her life. Can, but he, she doesn't know his motives. She doesn't have any explanation for what's going on. She's just terrified and overwhelmed. And it takes a while and multiple circumstances for like his heroic character to really shine forth in a consistent enough way that she can make a judgment about the guy. And when she yeah. does, she kind of like, this is a moment when her as a character, she's growing up and figuring out what she wants to do with her life. She seems like really young and not certain of her direction at first, you know? And in this, like she has a real adult option put in front of her, you know, yeah. like the, there's something meaningful I can live my life towards. And yeah she rises to the circumstance and because we're seeing her plot arc in addition to this love story 
the one doesn't interfere with the other. It's really gorgeous the way it all all susses out. Yeah. Can I add too that uh, he's wearing homeless man pants the whole time. He steals yeah. the homeless <laughs> man. He does not, as far as I, because I was watching this time, I never see him change into a clean pair of pants. So yeah. presumably, yeah, sir, you might want to get yourself tested. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a lot of transmissible homeless pants disease. So, uh, but. The other thing is, I watched this with my mom, and she had never seen this before. And so, no at, yeah. Awesome. And so, but to Adam's point, I think to your point, I forget who made this point actually. But <laughs> the the fact that she that she doesn't know it, like like my mom the whole time, she's like, wait, what? She was talking about Reese. She's like, why is that guy going after? Like, is he a bad guy? Is he? A, she had yeah. no idea. And so mm -hmm. I forgot what that's like because I saw it when I saw it, and yeah, then after that, ago. yeah, yeah, you don't remember. Yeah. Um, so it's also one of these movies, I think the first time you see it, you kind of see him through her eyes a little bit, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, um, let's go back to the, I don't want to get too much into the Terminator 2 comparison because I haven't seen that since the 90s. So it's like, mm -hmm. I might feel differently if I were to sit down and watch it right now, I which I will watch it soon. Time is roughed yeah. off the sort of cultural edges on it. I think it's a pretty watchable movie now, although I agree it's more of an action movie than this one is. Yeah. But go ahead. That's my point. What was I saying? It's uh, a good point. I, I well, derailed you, but not on purpose. It'll refresh me, but uh, I, I, I was just talking. Well, I was talking about how you see Reese through her eyes. Oh, through yeah. Her. I was going to make the point that it's it's annoying that Terminator Two like tries to do a similar thing with like, ooh, Arnold's really a bad guy. You think he, they're trying to play the? It's it's another Terminator. He's come to kill, and then they do the flip. But all the promotion for that movie was it's a good Terminator this time. So you're spending. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going for like the first half hour. Or so like, oh, why are they jerking us why around? Are they, they, they even are mirroring the scenes too, like right down to like him shooting the the new Terminator with the shotgun the same way yeah. Reese shoots him with the shotgun and. The, so yeah, that, yeah, it's like you 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 did this brilliantly once, and you can't do this trick twice. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Okay, if you take it out of its context, though, with all the the spoiler advertisement, it does do it really well for the record. I know it's a cop. It doesn't show the murdery part of him really. Yeah. You know, it we get it, when Arnold goes into the bar. He he's super rough around the edges, and he's a yeah. Terminator, so he's not subtle about the way he gets clothes that are suitably sized for him. He's dressed in the leathers. He's got the sawed-off shotgun. He's doing the same thing the first Terminator did to find John Connor this time. Yeah. It's not... And the other guy's, like, in a police car, like, asking around. He seems like a normal dude because he's not some huge hulking guy. You know, it's actually... Oh, it's actually good if you ignore they, the fact the studio ruined it. They hadn't ruined it. Yeah, I know. That's what, that's what makes it so infuriating is that it's like, oh, this could have... Drawing me in a little if they well, actually it could have even surprise. done like a because I think they knew the liquid terminator stuff as spoilers in the trailer. It's like, no, yeah, we don't, I don't yeah. want to know that. Don't, ah. by the way, wasn't that the original plan for the first terminator was the liquid terminator, but they couldn't do it because of the technology at the time? Or is I that, don't think BS? So. I don't think that's, I think that's really? BS because okay. I just read about the whole production in detail because it, this okay. dream, it, it, it was, the movie was inspired by a dream he had about this, this kind of robot mm. body that was like torn in half, it was just the upper torso of a robot like that was kind the of ending of the that movie. Was, yeah. That was that was actually the germ that this whole movie mm. came from. So it's like it couldn't wow. have been the Liquid Terminator. What a scene. I don't know how you even would have done it in 1984, to be honest. I'm stunned they did it when they did. Like, the, if, you, if you look at the special <laughs> effects in the second movie, they really are breathtaking even now. 
Like well, they, they were very they, ahead. Of, they were very ahead of their time when that came. Cameron out, sure. Cameron was was genius at getting getting effects in his movies. I mean, stuff. this is a low budget movie, and the effects in this are not too shabby. So he definitely knows how to squeeze good yeah, I, good use yeah. out of special effects teams. Here's um, here's the other other good thing about early Cameron versus late Cameron. It's like like to, to take Avatar as a counter an example of late. I Cameron. actually just saw that this this last month, oh, by the way. You? Okay. Both uh, films within a week of each other for the first time is cool. Okay. Anyway, I haven't seen the and, second one, but I saw the first one in the theater. It, the second one is ex- almost exactly the first one, so you don't yeah, miss so much. But it's just the character work. Like, in this one, the police are great. Everything about yeah. the police station. Yeah. They're, every single one of those characters in the police station is a memorable, oh, interesting so character. Aliens, it's like... The whole marine, the, the marines, the marines, yeah, are all secondary characters, but you, they're so great. You even, love the words, even and the trash avatar, truck, and the say. avatar. Every every marine or the, or whatever they are, every soldier aside from the main character is this generic. We're just going to make you hate this character, and they're just going to be yeah. jerks for no reason. And it's like, well, okay, that's I, no, honestly, I, the I'm not interested. My favorite in character it. in both of the movies, uh, he's in really cool. Movies? The yeah. Avatar movies, like the evil Colonel guy who's like super gung ho about military <laughs> stuff. I loved him. I was like, no, nah, I'm on his side. I don't, don't mind having Nora. a one over the top film, but I get Adam's point where like, like in this movie, even like the trash truck driver at the beginning, who's like complaining, yeah. like that guy had a personality that was discernible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the punks each had individual personalities that were discernible. They might have been like very starkly painted and probably not too deep. But for what the purpose they were serving on camera, they all worked. And, and like you said, at the police station, that's where you see it the most because you have all these characters that there's like you can just kind of feel like backstory that, you know, you're not getting in all of the interactions with them. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, and yeah, I just well, the, that Hemingway you know, iceberg the, the way, theory where most of it's off camera, but the part that emerges is really rich as a result. It just yeah, feels I think like that. Avatar, yeah, the thing that really threw me off with the portrayal of the soldiers was like, you know, when the main character shows up in a wheelchair and they're all like mocking him for being being wounded in battle. Like, I'm what soldiers? Better. What soldiers are yeah. are contemptuous of anyone who's been wounded in battle? I'm like, this yeah, is the no. bullshit attempt to get me to hate these characters, and you're you're just throwing me out of the movie yeah. with this. Whereas this, it would have been easy to make. Oh, the police are against Reese. We could make the cops all bad guys, but no, they're all entirely believable in what they do through the whole movie even when they're even when they're do, getting in the way of of our hero saving the day it's like yeah i get these characters i like these characters they're interesting yeah uh, well the, char- the the movie has to be very careful with the human villains right because yeah. ultimately it's a humans versus inhuman monsters that want to exterminate yeah. us movie so even yeah. the ones that are bastards need to have a redeemable spark of humanity uh huh. The second movie uh-huh. forgets that a little bit, I think. So that that is something that is that weighs in my consideration of these two films. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Can you guys uh, just uh, continue without me for one second? Just Adam, I don't know. Be man. Good I don't know if we can yeah, go hey, Adam, Adam, Don't leave us. It's gonna be this, dead this is, air while you're gone. No, Adam. We're Adam needs to that. talk about Harlan Ellison and all the stuff that was. Oh yeah. Up. Oh, Adam. Right. Regale yeah. me. Yeah, I mean. I, Basically, I 
I, I really don't like the fact that Harlan Ellison tried suing the studio over this and got that settlement out of them. Just all oh, just to fill in the, the audience here. Basically, there's this credit like based on an idea by Ellison or something. And it's like, I mean, because he, 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 he wrote this episode of The Outer Limits back in the 60s, which involves these two soldiers from the future who get shot back to the modern day and they continue their fight in the modern day. But it has nothing to do with the Terminator. It's like yeah, it's, it's such the most tenuous connection. I always thought that the claim was that uh, the the super robot machine intelligence from I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream was supposed yeah. to be like uh, a, that was like supposed to be like referenced in the the movie with Skynet. Like that's what I always hear. No, so no, nothing was, to do with was, that at it all. Was, it was the Outer Limits episode. Soldier was what he based on. And Ellison said, "Oh, it's not all that one. It was all based off a of soldier," which. I don't know. It's it's so it's so tenuous that it's like it's like okay, well, this movie is also ripping off two thousand one then because it's got an evil AI. It's just the plot. There's no plot similarity aside from the fact there's because it's not like either of these soldiers are robots. It's you know it's like they they're not they're not they're not out to change history. They're just got shot back in time and have to be fighting each other in the modern day. It's like thematically, it has no connection to the terminator and and cameron himself basically the studio settled and gave ellison some money to shut up and you know but you know cameron even though he had a, had a gag order against him he came out and said no it's not based on anything else and did i'm not allowed to say this he can sue me i don't care <laughs> it's like I think, no, I, yeah I, I did not i did not get any of my ideas from harlan ellison i i've That's also funny. heard like joel that it was uh i have no mouth must scream, but I again I, I haven't followed this that no, much it's, at all. It's, so. it, no, even, even like Ellison's arguments, he's never maintained that at all. Yeah, okay. There's also there's also some people say it was the gla the demon with the glass hand, which was another mm -hmm. outer limits. And Ellison says no, no, that's that's just okay. a thing people said. But I, but I do think people make <laughs> way too much of like there's only so many stories and there's only so many story ideas. Yeah, and it's so easy for people to cover the same ground with either because it's worked its way into the culture somehow and through osmosis or just two people arriving to the same concept independently. It isn't even aside from two soldiers from the future. There's no, it's like, I'm glad this was settled out of, out of court. And that's what happened. Cause a lot of times you hear, it's like, Oh, he sued and he won and he got all this yeah. money. It's like, if this had been made a legal precedent, it's oh. like nobody could ever make a science fiction movie again because it's like, oh, you have robots in your movie. Yeah. It's like you can't. I mean, I'm pretty sure Metropolis that, has pioneered yeah. that. Like, I might yeah. have, I might have the details wrong, but something like that happened with Iron Maiden with "Hallowed Be Thy Name," which is like they're considered their best song by a lot of people. And yeah. there was another band that had a song that tackled very similar subject matter, and it got. I believe it was held up in court for ages. I don't know what the final determination was, but basically in during that period, like whenever Bruce Dickinson was asked about the song, even if it had nothing to do with the court case, it's like it was obvious he couldn't even talk about it. Do you know what I mean? As you just kind of yeah. move on. And it was very annoying. And it was only because an idea that anybody could have had, it's not, it's not the it's not even the concept of the song. It's the execution that made it so good. And so to, yeah, in a lot know, of cases, it's not even the concept. It is execution. Like this is not th compare this to the outer limits episode. You could go and watch it. I'm sure you could stream it nowadays. 
go ahead. I, I rewatched it last year actually because it came up yep. again. I'm like, I'm going to take another look at Soldier, mm. and I'm like, no, this is not the Terminator. It just no. isn't. And I mean, the reason it the reason it makes me angry is just that. Ellison's done a lot of stuff I like. He's, you know, but it's like what he's doing here. It's like, I, and I don't mind. It's like, okay, so he soaked a studio for some money. I can't really ever complain about soaking a big corporation for money. Aside from Man. the fact that what you're doing here is creating, making it impossible for people to be creative. If it actually set yeah. up precedent, yeah. it's like you are hurting artists. Bad. You are not. It's not. About, I'm not angry that he sued a studio. It's. It's because you are shutting down creativity to, to, to fill your pockets. And you gotta, no one considers the the ramifications of what's like they call the capture hypothesis, which basically means that anything that you use, any precedence that you set, will ultimately find its way into the most conniving, powerful yes. hands. Um, yeah. So if you think the studios aren't gonna use that exact same thing to annihilate creativity for their own profit, you're an idiot. Exactly, exactly. So, so I that's that's why I, that's that's why I just have strong feelings about this. But unfortunately, it wasn't actually a court case. It was just a settlement. Yeah. And, and people that are listening, they should have heard Adam before the podcast. Going <laughs> it, was, it was much more. So um, the, the venom like, has been drained. But... Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, 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 the, if we had just gone in cold, it would have been uh, a much stronger uh speech i'm sure uh i'm a little sleep deprived and i was still like bordering on that cranky sleep and my coffee's kicked in and i'm feeling a little more uh level yeah, yeah i'm getting to the point where like i i know i'm going to need another dose of coffee in a little bit but i'm sort of putting it off because <laughs> my the coffee i like i ran out of and i had to get the coffee that i don't like quite as much so oh, that's yeah, it's, a, it's it's a, it's just a little bit less special a cup of coffee so um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not rushing to it the way I normally would. Um, yeah, oh, man, we should have began this podcast with one of us pretending that we traveled back in time from the end of the podcast and warned Adam. Not well, to that's do this about something I wanted to mention. <laughs> There's a line in this movie that I find fa and, I, and I was kind of hoping Adam might be able to illuminate it because I just had a feeling this might be something Adam knows about. I don't know why, but oh. he had the, the line where he says, I, I, tr I, I. I forget exactly what he said, but basically like I went through time for you. Like he's like, I went oh, through like, yeah. but remember when we saw Dracula, there's also that line of, you know, I have sailed oceans of time. To get, yeah, and, yeah. And so I'm just Different curious. Directions. Is that, well, is that a line that has appeared in a lot of movies that, or is this the oh. first film where you've heard that? Cause it's a really powerful line in both cases in the, in the case of Dracula, it's much more, operatic in the way that it's delivered and here it's got a much more grounded uh I would, sort of if, emotion well if there's somewhere it came from i haven't seen this movie well this is a book that a, mo a movie was based on with christopher reeve somewhere in time either of you guys seen somewhere I, in no time? i haven't it's I haven't. a it's a it's a it's based on oh god what's the author's name uh richard matheson but for richard the benefit matheson. of our audience he went to his bookshelf where the book yeah. is sitting I just want you to know the quality that we have on this yeah. podcast. And it's hey, funny because I, I like Matheson, but I don't. I, I don't. Is that is that a novel by Matheson or is it a short story, Adam? It's a. I think it's a novel. Yeah, it's a okay. novel by by Richard Matheson. But uh, yeah, it was made into a in the early '80s. Christopher Reeve was in a movie based on it that's very good. Uh, but yeah, it's about a guy who becomes obsessed with this portrait of this woman that's in this hotel, and he kind of falls in love with her and has to, and he and he, he goes back in time to try and meet her in the 1920s or wherever. Okay. And uh, 
So it's like it could come from that. And just so just for the audience, Richard Matheson uh, is the guy who a lot of he he was a, a horror writer in the 50s. A lot of Twilight Zone episodes were based on him, like uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet. There's The Man on the Wing. I Am Legend is a Richard Matheson story. So he uh, he also did Little Girl Lost, that classic Twilight Zone episode, which is uh, the ultimate parental fear story. But uh, and he and he has a lot of good short stories. I I, I had a couple yeah. of anthologies of his short stories, and they're all really good. Yeah, um, picking you can't but, go wrong picking up a Matheson anthology. But somewhere in time might be something for us because I, I it's one of those movies I remember seeing it on the video shelf, and I it was the thing that I think never the reason I never got sold on it was because I could never really tell is this like a romance movie or is this like a is this somewhere in time part like. More it's science more, fiction. It's more of a romance movie than a a. Uh, it's not. It's not really a science fiction story in any okay. real sense. So, yeah, that's why I. I think it's a really. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. To be honest, okay. it might not hold up as well as I remember, but uh, I, I. I just remember it being being good at the time. Okay, well, that's that's something to consider for sure. Yeah, because I do remember there was also again one a book that I really like is The End of Eternity, and there is a romance that involves time travel in it, but I don't recall any any line as good as I you know I've yeah <laughs> and I've come I've come through time for you or you know again whatever the phrase was, uh, uh, and also obviously in Dracula he wasn't literally time traveling he traveling was, he was he was in, he he was immortal and he and he waited but a really a long form, time we're all time traveling yeah. in a way. Yeah. But, uh, I'm just time traveling at the same speed as everyone else and in the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, what about the music? The music for me has always been the most fascinating part of the movie. Yeah. Um, that theme slams its way right into your mind and yeah. never leaves, man. That, Anytime yeah. I hear that, no matter what the context, I'm just like, it, it gets that same emotional reaction from me. Dun, 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 dun. Oh my God, we got to fight Skynet. Yeah. Well, what's so great. So number one, I had the same experience where like that, the moment I saw the title and the music when I was a kid, that, that's like when I fell in love with the movie, but also it's just such a versatile and powerful piece of music because you have that dun 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 part that they keep using to kind of emphasize the fear and the the suspense of the Terminator going after them. But then it has that melody that walks this weird line of it can serve as a romantic mood setter. It can serve to kind of paint a picture of the bleak landscape of the future. It just does all this work. That, it's, it's such a wonderful uh, contrast between like the creeping dread of the encroaching machine enemy and like the, the vibrancy and variety of the human experience. Like it does a good job of blending both of those elements and contrasting them. Yeah. Right? And, genius, genius piece of music. Yeah. Well, it's that I, melody. I, that melody is just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Go on, Adam. I didn't well, it's it's sorrowful. I think I think you nailed it when it came to the sorrow about this movie. That that melody yeah. is sad. Yeah, it feels like it's, it's about not... it's all pointing towards Reese's death at the end. Is how it feels. It's like a tragedy. He, 
you know what I mean? I, I read he, he actually did come up with one heroic theme in it. There was a more uplifting heroic version that was going to be used in the police station theme and foot police station scene when they're kind of escaping and everything. And mm-hmm. and they 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 cut they cut that. They're like, no, we don't we don't want. We're just going to mm-hmm. keep with the the more downbeat version. There, there was they just have mm-hmm. no point. Cameron felt like it was kind of this tension relieving thing that was. It just didn't work because it was. You too- don't want to relieve the tension, though. No. Like the the movie is smart enough never to let you escape the the doom that the Terminator represents. Yeah. Like even yeah. in the end, where she's driving off, she's driving into this like almost like a wasteland looking thing. You know, like we yeah. know the future is going to be horrible for her, but we also That's... know that she has the strength to get through it. It's a beautiful yeah, ending, was... right? There's a scene she has with Reese where she's talking, you know, how like, this is never going to be over. And it's just like, yeah, even if you kill the Terminator, you've still mm-hmm. got a nuclear war ahead of you yeah. and raising your child in the... Because that was one thing that, that bugged me about the sequel, too, because I think at some point they say, you know, the war is going to happen in a few years. And it's like, it's just over the horizon. And then Terminator 2 didn't come out till like six years later. Mm-hmm. And the war still hasn't happened. And her kid's a teenager. And it's like, yeah, I, timing, I, mm, I, I pictured her raising her kid in the ruins. And, you know, and just well, like, mm. she goes into, you know, it's like at the end of the first movie, she goes into hiding in like Mexico and or wherever. And she's, you know, she kind of raises her kid out there to try and be safe from the war. And it's like, what are you doing running around? And, and, and yeah, I don't know. It just, it just, yeah, it I, I don't know if they ever gave I, us a specific, did they give us a specific date for it? I don't remember. No, they said, like, I, I thought like, they did because we get one in the sequel. And the sequel, you do get a year, a year. Yeah. In the first movie, there is no actual years provided. Yeah. I Which think, is, well, that, that helps the first one to feel timeless, whereas the second one feels more like an entry in a franchise. That's yeah. another element of it. Yeah. Now, it feels to me like the final entry in a franchise. Yeah. Because <laughs> it prevents the premise of the first movie. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I don't like about the second one. Well, we can get into that. That's a... I'm, not, I'm not sure how time was supposed to even out if they prevented the thing that would have caused the initial loop. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I this well, what's good about the first one too is it is a closed it's a perfectly closed loop it where it yeah. all works so it's uh, got an internal any, logical yeah. consistency that's very appealing you, and, and I mean, you can't you can't just, expand just, that with it huh? yeah it just does you know that's the lines in the movie that add to the you know it's like yeah you know there no one goes back and no one else comes comes you know no one yeah. else is going to come yeah, back and no, no one can go home again afterwards it's just like this is it it's the two of us and there will never be anyone else you know doing yeah. this it's like it's explicitly stated in the first movie that to, to up the stakes you know it's like no one's coming to help me no one's coming to help him and it's like no that's that's not true yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. This, well, and the, the fact that the first battle of Skynet against John Connor was also kind of its last battle, its last gasp. Like there's a beauty to that, a poetic completion to the whole thing that that makes it really, because they won, even after they won, they had to fight. Like what a, what a grim, but still hopeful reality. And uh, the fact we never meet John helps a lot, I think. Because when we yeah. meet him and he's a yeah. punk teenager, I fucking hate him. And I love I, him. I've, I've, I've hated John in every version of the movie that they've ever <laughs> had him appear in at all. There's I mean, never been a good John Connor ever. And I don't think there ever will be because he's so messianic. Right? Yeah, you know, it's like you can't, you have to do Jesus. It's, it's, right? Yeah, it, 
it's like casting Jesus, no, but it's, it's the problem of trying to cast Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Well, Except you have to make him a regular guy. Yeah, right? there's so, like a piece of a writing advice. If you if you want to talk about how your character is the greatest poet that ever lived, never have him recite yes, poetry. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, unless like, you're talking about like Shakespeare or someone and you have Shakespeare's poetry in front of you, like, yeah, no, don't. I'm saying, but if you're the writer and you have to write his poetry, yeah, I've said this guy's the oh, greatest yeah. poet. I guess you're M. Night Shyamalan, you'll do that. But, you oh, know, but yeah, he's, he is. But, yeah, yeah, that's going to age well. <laughs> no, I, I agree. With, I agree with you on that. Like that, the, the yeah, it works with John being off care. Also, the fact that John has to send his father back to die, but also to give so that he can be born in the first place. It's a very yeah. interesting thing to think about, but I don't necessarily want to see that depicted on camera. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's because it, you you have all these things that pop into your head watching this movie. Like you know that John Connor and Reese were were friends, and that, yeah. that John Connor gave him this picture of his mother, knowing that Reese is his father, and he yeah. can't tell him. And there's just yeah, there's just all these what? fantastic uh, little the fact that, that John just... had to raise his own father effectively, <laughs> I know. the father he never and met until he had to die. be a father. Yeah, like <laughs> sent them to die. What and a after he won it, that was their thing. that was their victory reward. It's like, yay, you beat Skynet. Now you get to send your your father that you raised to go die in the Jesus. past. How miserable uh, is that? Like, God. I, I know. <laughs> well, you know what it is too. It's like uh, it's similar to the Star Wars situation where there's one thing about hearing Ben Kenobi talk about Clone you know Wars. the Clone Wars, but then to actually see them yeah. and to actually see oh, all those yeah. things. It's just uh, what you imagined was so much better than what anything they could have made for you. And so I think yeah. this is it's with Terminator. For me, it feels similar where the more they've filled in those blank spaces, the less impressive it's felt to me. That was, you... Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go on a tangent. I got to say the, the Game of Thrones, when that was still good in its early seasons, you know, season oh, yeah. one of. Season one, there's all this stuff that talks about like the the revolt against the Targaryens. They have all these people talking about battles they fought in. There's all this backstory in the first season of Game of Thrones, and not once do they ever flash back. It's like anytime it happens, it'll be two characters talking about their experience during a battle. And I love that because it's it's rather than giving it this concrete truth of, oh, here's what happened. It's like all you have to go on are people's memories yeah. of what happened in the past, which may or may not be accurate or true. And yeah. in the later seasons, yeah, you get these flashbacks. You're like, oh, here's how it happened. And it's like, no, it was it was so much better when it was old guys talking about these wars they fought in. Yeah. And you said they had so patience, you know, they, they treat it like it's all a visual medium, but like the important yeah. thing about it is that the visual part of the medium is us seeing the old guys talking. It's delivered to yes. us diegetically yes. as it is delivered to the people that are experiencing this, this secondhand events. It's, it's delivered orally. And there's yeah. a strength in that that you can't match if you're just flashing to it and seeing it. That's not genuine to the human experience. That's why yes. in, say, Event Horizon, where they had, um, was it Lawrence Fishburne who was in that? Someone was in that. They haven't talked about the, the experience. Yeah, it was him. It yeah, was yeah him. he's talking about, and he's just delivering the, the lines of, like, his old crew dying in a fire in space. Yeah. Describing how hideous it was but also how eerily beautiful the flames were cascading in zero gravity and 
it just shows his face. And their first yes. idea of that was that they were going to flash to it. And then they were like, but, but we had what we needed. Like yeah. you had a brilliant actor delivering the lines of sincerity and it did what it needed to do in a really good way, you know? And like, can you imagine the crappy early CG of that movie trying to replicate what he was saying and getting the same emotional resonance? It wouldn't it have, have failed. Yeah, yeah. yeah go back failed. to the Clone Wars. There's, and this, you know, looking at Alec Guinness's face versus watching like you know thirty year old CGI. It's like, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think too the um, you know Terminator does have flashbacks, but it's so restrained in their use, yeah. and they're so and and they're used they're used to do things like you need to know that he had a picture of Sarah Connor and what that picture looked like and so yeah you get a flashback that shows you that everything every flashback seemed to have a function of some kind yeah well, they're um, flash forwards too as the interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point the, yeah, they, they like, serve that's... a dual purpose for us as the audience they're actually a pretty ingenious piece of storytelling that i've not seen again mm -hmm. can you think of another movie where someone's remembering something that happens in the future like mm -hmm. visually i, I mean I probably there must be a movie but it's not well, 12 monkeys there you go. oh yeah 12 monkeys going back to that one <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any any movie where somebody time travels back in time and they think back to their life, you're going to have a flashback. But oh, is it that Twelve Monkeys, of course, has the thing too, where he's remembering. Actually, oh, what is he? Yeah, he's. Oh, well, he keeps been, remembering not, the scene, the final scene. See, that's the big yeah, yeah, yeah. Piece yeah of it. That's yeah. right. Well, he's that's right because he's actually that's different because he's remembering. He's remembering he's his actually, own it's, it's, it's in his past. He's remembering as a child seeing himself get yeah. killed. Yeah. You know, I think he experiences the future but remembers the past in that movie. I don't think he remembers the future in that movie. Yeah, no, you're or right. It's not a well, significant thing. But like, back. Yeah, there aren't memories. Anytime he's back in the future, he's traveling back to the future. So it's not a flash. Yeah, but that memory is right. a memory that happens after the beginning of the movie, right? Like that You know what I'm saying? So it's still, yeah. like, it's, it is yeah. the future. Uh, it's just not yeah, the it, future. Of, uh... <laughs> There's so much brilliance in this movie. It's just the way we experience the future is through Kyle's past. What what an ingenious little thing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. small and functional and extremely unique. And like that's a really good way of describing this whole movie. Um, yeah. We've not even really talked about how ripping awesome Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie. But oh the way. my god, oh, yeah. how have we not gotten to that? I really, yeah. I really wish he had done more villains after. I know. Again. Well, um, that. He, he was just a poke. So, I mean, yeah, he only reason he did this movie was because he thought it was a, 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 a low budget movie no one would ever see. And he's like, well, it's not going to hurt my reputation to pay a bad guy in this. <laughs> and no one will ever see it. And literally what he had to say about it. But uh, before we get into him, I have to say alternate casting choice. They, uh, and one of the people that was up for the role was O.J. Simpson and Cameron rejected him because he was Ooh. wasn't really plausible as a, as a, as a killer. So well, I, heard that. I heard about that. Uh, <laughs> that judgment aged poorly, but let's let's yeah. move on. Also, I think let's we can also on. figure out just as an actor, O.J. Simpson would not have worked as well as Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no, he because no. I mean, I, I, I was born for Police Squad. Yeah, he could do the Naked Gun, but I, I don't think I'd want to see him doing the Terminator. Um, the Ar Arnold is perfect for this. I mean, just you know, just oh, in terms so of good. physique, in terms of you know, how he communicates and in terms of also the kind of star power he has where he does have this like this presence that works really well as yeah. the threat in the movie. And, I, you know, sometimes people like, you know, not you, you even even for a film where somebody's just playing like the psychotic slasher killer, it does matter who is playing that role. 
because they're yeah. you know, like the, the physical movements. It's sort of like we were talking about with RoboCop, where like the physical performance of Peter Weller was actually very important in that case. And I think here yeah. is the same thing. Yeah, well, the yeah. physical interesting thing I came across today doing research was that you know how near the end his leg gets injured and he's limping. Mm. Th they threw that scene in near the end. They shot it so it would match because basically they decided they decided he's basically they needed they needed Arnold to match with the with the you know stop motion robot that replaces him in the final scenes. Mm. And so they gave him a limp during the last Arnie scenes so that the stop motion robot was walking with a limp. So it created this sense that Sense. you're watching the same character moving. Oh, and I'm like, brilliant. that is so clever. That is It, it really is, because it does. I didn't even notice yeah. it, but my, my brain did. Somewhere deep in my medulla oblongata, it was like, nah, same robot, same threat. Same robot. Yeah, that, well, that's and that, oh, so that just how how the the skeleton emerges from the flesh in that is <laughs> I, so I rem perfect. Uh, the first time I saw that, my, my I think my hair was standing on yeah. end just because I'm like, because you, you think the movie's over, you're like, yeah. yay, they, did they it, beat man. the bad guy. But what will kill a man will not kill a machine. Well, and they do it twice. They do it when when the, when he first rises up from the fire, and then after he gets blown up by Reese, he comes up again. Yeah in his half form and yeah just, she's clawing on the ground to escape it's just and then like oh, dude, she so goes into the trash compactor or the whatever that thing is and yeah. you know that it's, it's and they have they have her playing with the control a little earlier so it's just plausible yeah. that she's already kind just of uh plausible uh, enough um yeah. also it makes true his statement about the whole like it's not gonna stop you know it yeah. doesn't yeah. feel it doesn't it doesn't Keep think going. it's just a monster that will never stop trying to kill you. And yeah. when if that's one of the few things that they say it. And then when you see it, it's better even than when yeah. they said it, but because he delivered it with such conviction, you believed it before you saw it. So when you do see it, you're like, Oh man, she's doomed. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah, like that. The waitress triumphs over the omnipotent kill bot of the future. This is a movie for waitresses yeah. everywhere. It's that. Yeah, kind of, man. You know, it's like yeah. re Reservoir Dogs. It's got it's got waitresses back, <laughs> you know. It does, yeah. I show I actually I show my wife that clip whenever she's upset at work because she's a waitress, and so you know maybe I should start showing her Terminator clips. Yeah, uh, man. Maybe, maybe. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, that I also love how the the Terminator looks like a like death. Like that is the visual imagery. Yeah, and, and we're so image. used to it now, we kind of overlook it, but it's. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a grim reaper basically. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a and skeleton. And and that works on a number of levels because you're kind of looking into humanity's future when you look at, do you know what I mean? There's just something Yeah. It's it's it, it, I feel like the the whole AI Skynet can be read a bunch of different ways in that respect. Like it can be literally AI unleashing a nuclear holocaust upon us or it can kind of be more like we're going to become cyborg people you know what i mean like that's like it's kind of like humanity eradicating itself in a way um not literally but like on a figurative level well, but the, uh just the fact that it's a hideous facsimile of a person like the fact that like you see a human skull getting crushed by one of these robot skeletons at the beginning of the movie is such a important image to center your thinking and your emotions about these creatures yeah. Like, uh, well, yeah. I guess what and I mean is to, to go back to my, my Terminator 2 complaints. That's why, you know, this movie, this movie, a Terminator will never understand why you cry. 
It will never yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. Never. No, that that ruins that brought. ruins Terminators so much. <laughs> they don't do the Macarena. They, they didn't do the Macarena, but they don't do the Macarena, right? They don't. Uh, you, can yeah. you can program one to protect a boy. I can believe that, but it's still never going to care about that boy. It just never will. <laughs> it doesn't happen. But but again, like going back to the ginger message, it kind of establishes in the movie that we're already kind of machines and like we're already becoming cyborgs in a way you know what i mean like so i kind of like that about it where it's sort of like you're you're also kind of looking at your own future when you look at that that uh you know was it the, the t1 t101 is that it in the, the first one is it the t1000 or t i forget t800 yeah I, you're right t800 i, I want to say it's the t800 but didn't he call it the but didn't i thought he called it the 101 series when he mentions it in the movie or am i mistaken I think the 101 series was the the ones that had the the rubber skin. Around. Oh, those are the rubber. Okay, okay. Also, so I want to never make it, see those. But a, a thing that later Terminators kind of screwed up that this one did really well is it was clear that not all the Terminators looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They had kind yeah. of identities, you know, or something very eerily close to an identity. Well, and later installments, they just make them all Arnold because that's yeah, the which thing which doesn't make yeah. sense because the whole point is they're supposed to be infiltrating units. So yeah, if they, they all the look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like just look for the one that looks like Arnold, and you know, like once they figure that out, they know that they don't have to worry. So it it doesn't make sense. Again, I think I mean the Christian Bale movie, in my opinion, is maybe the worst one in the whole uh, the whole. I need to show you Dark for me? Fate then, <laughs> like because it gets so much worse. Wait, than is that. Dark Fate the new new one? Is that like oh, the most? Yeah. That's the one I haven't seen. That's the only one. Oh, um, good luck. But the you other know, one I, was pretty bad before that. So. You know, actually, it has a lot to recommend it. Like I agree with you that it's not a great entry, but it was definitely a new and different direction for the franchise, which had a lot that would it had in common with the earlier entries. So, like, it had a guy in it that was struggling with his identity because he thought he was a person, but inside he was a robot. That's new, you know? And it was playing on different elements of, like, the human condition. Clearly, Skynet had evolved its tactics, you know, psychologically. I, and I like that the, the John Connor of that movie, although I don't like the casting choice, had to struggle with that. Like, this is different. This this isn't something we've mapped out in our little time war. This hasn't doesn't have a precedence. What all all I know... Is the Christian Bale one? I saw it once, and I felt no need ever to see it again. It was like watching what was the new Tron movie? The the the, the Tron sequel. Oh, Tron uh, Legacy, I think. Tron it was Legacy. Yeah. I saw Tron Legacy once. I will never ever have to see no, it just, again. It I can't remember anything about it. I saw it, and it's like I. <laughs> It was too dark for one thing. It was like, why? It needs to be brighter. It just, it just, it just felt too muted somehow. I think it was meant to be seen in like an IMAX theater and stuff. So like, once I saw in the theater. So like that. But did you see it in IMAX theater? uh, I don't remember if it was an IMAX, but it looked perfectly clear to me. It was a bit muted, but I mean, the future looks like the future is always night and dirty and oily and bleak in this movie. So I was like, okay, if it's a little dark, that seems to scan. That accords with my understanding of the future. Wait, what movie are you talking about? Uh, Revelation? Oh, I was talking about the Tron sequel. So just oh, oh, yeah, no, that one's yeah, I, was, I was like, I think we're talking about different movies. Yeah, the music is good. Um, yeah. What the hell was that movie? It was the fourth one, right? 
I can't the, remember. The Christian Bale one, I think, yeah, was yeah. the fourth movie. Because well, the, the third one, the third one actually wasn't too bad. I wasn't. I mean, it had its problems. Third one, like, third one. Uh, the ending of the third one's kind of fun. I mean, like taking it in itself. Like I said, I yeah. I wish there were no sequels at all. But the, the uh, third one did have did have a fun ending, if I the, remember. The one thing I do like about the first three is that that psychologist guy, I forget the actor who plays him, is present in all three of the movies. And he plays, <laughs> and he plays the same character, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a thread that connects them all. Um, uh-huh. Because not even Sarah Connor's in all of the first three. Oh, she's so, toast by the third one, yeah. yeah. Um, so, which I think was terrible. They shouldn't have done it. Like, it's, I don't it's remember... Ever watching the whole third one? I remember watching part of it and being like, "This is clown shoes." And yeah, it's not good. It's, it's yeah. I, no, I, like I remember. Bit, I had the same reaction, but then I watched it again like three years ago when I did like a Terminator marathon, and I remember thinking, "Oh, this is better than I thought it was going to be." Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm better than I remembered. And so, it's better than any of the Terminator movies after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Oof. what I would say. That's bad. Um, not that that's high praise, but you know. well, it's it's good in the sense that it still has Arnold playing the role in a way where after that movie, any attempt to bring Arnold back into it has been weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. um, I don't know the latest one where they make him age because he's just actually been around. I guess that would be okay. I, I could well, and I can't that. comment on that one because that's the one I have not seen. So that one might have nailed it. Um, I mean, like, but, you can digitally de-age the guy to an extent, but it's still kind of uncanny, which, I mean, scans. Again, again well, you do that with Terminator. But, well, like, and, I pro- the, honestly just would prefer the way they did it in the last one, where it's just like, oh, no, they have one that's been around, and it, it was programmed to age. So, okay. All right. <laughs> Why not? Terminator has a bad hip. Uh, it, it, again, it had a limp in this movie, maybe. Got rusty. It's hip got rusty. <laughs> it got rusty. <laughs> <laughs> it, man that would be a great line to put in that movie i'm a little rusty <laughs> he, could, he could pull that off um I, he's a good actor he could pull that off um i i don't remember what I, we're I, actually I, I would say about. i would say this in terms of arnold schwarzenegger's acting it's not i would never say that he's a good actor what i would say is he he has so much charisma that acting ability is not particularly relevant. He's that kind of an actor. Do you know what I mean? Well, in his early roles, he didn't have a lot of acting ability, yeah. but he was a yeah. new actor without any formal training. Of yeah. course. Uh, nowadays, he's been in the biz so long that he's very much developed his own style. Yeah, right? no, that's true. But so. that's true. That that happens with any, like even actors who like sucked in the 80s, if you watch them in like 2008 in a movie, they're good because they've been at it for so long. Yeah, and I'm certain they've but, taken acting coaches and yeah. lessons and they've practiced their craft. So, But, yeah. but I'm talking like vintage Arnold 1982 to 1989. Say, yeah, right? Co- like, Conan like, Arnold was not the most articulate of uh, of performances, but it was a good performance, and I agree with you. It's basically just because of the guy's presence. Yeah, you, you, know, you want to see It's nothing to do with any emotional subtlety. I will say, if you needed a huge, angry, scary lump of largeness in your movie to be intimidating, you could do worse than, you know, Mr. Universe. Yeah. And also, he has like natural comedic timing, I think, which always yeah, yeah worked well. That's critical. Yeah, is, if you're going to be an actor, you have to have good comedic timing. Period. Yeah. I, I refuse to believe that you can't be a comedian, or that you can be an actor if you can't also be a comedian. Well, especially one like him, because the his the movies he was in, like the comedy element was so crucial for mm-hmm. like the the, the typical, not like Conan, not Terminator, but like Commando on. 
Like yeah, you, you, you have to have class, that comedy. There's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and there's the Arnie movies. It's like yeah, once he yeah, hit the mid eighties, that's Arnie. Once he's become Arnie, that's where you know the, the comedy is crucial. But uh, but yeah. So anyways, we should probably end it here because we've been going on for about an hour and ten minutes. We could keep going on, but I, yeah, I, no, I, I yeah. Uh, but, uh, my I final thoughts on this probably, fantastic film. Yep. Yep. I mean, I think it's perfect. I think this is one of the best movies ever made. I think it 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 would have been best if they just left it alone and this was all we had and it was just a classic movie. I know that that isn't how things panned out and I wouldn't want to take Terminator 2 away from people. But yeah, I, 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 I like to think of it as like, I like to imagine a world where this is like a self-contained movie and there's nothing else interfering with the time loop or any of that stuff. Um, and yeah, just it's like Adam was saying, it's got this nice 70s grit to it that blends really well with all the 80s stuff going on in it. Um, mm -hmm. so. One of the few yeah. time travel movies I like, uh, there's only a couple. There's this one, some of the Back to the Futures. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. You don't like time, so oh, this is new. I you don't like time travel movies? It's just not that, a very. It's it's a premise that doesn't have a lot of. I don't know. How do you feel they about Doctor like, Who? For the Twelve Monkeys. You don't like Twelve Monkeys? Just, that's that's on the short list. Twelve Monkeys. On okay, the short that list. is on the short list. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I mean, like you're talking about oh. like even a lot of the Back to the Future ones. It's like, oh, we're in the old west now. Okay. This well, that's is the bad. worst one. And and part well, two is, wasn't wasn't even that good. Part one is part, the good yeah. one. Yeah, this might be a different discussion, but I I have a tempestuous relationship with the premise of time travel. Like I, yeah, uh, you can well, go one direction once with it. I, I think that's my rule. If you can go one direction once, it's okay. If you can kind of zip back and forth. Oh yeah. But you have to understand back to the future. They're creating different timelines every time they do it. So they kind of get around it. By... Back to the future. I just like the first and to some extent, the second back to the future are, are fine. I especially like the first one, right? Like that's a classic. But I feel about Back to the Future the way you feel about Terminator, where it's like, I don't want anything else messing with that beautiful time yeah. loop. No, it's, I agree with you. It's got a I harmony to it, <laughs> you know. Part, uh, I, no. in, in regards to Doctor Who, I am selective in my enjoyment of the franchise. I okay. like the ninth Doctor, and that's basically it. Oh, interesting. Doctor Who, in the original series, back, you know, Tom Baker and all of that, it's like he would just travel to uh, he could travel throughout time and space, but he wasn't messing with time. I feel like in the new series, they got too crazy with going, we're going to do all kinds of time travel tricks. And it's like, OK, you broke. the. It's like the time the TARDIS <laughs> is just there because you can go anywhere in the universe. Yeah, and, it's, and it's have, a Starship Enterprise. There. You're just supposed to. It's but, a cannon that shoots you to the next interesting location. Right, That's it. Exactly. Exactly. They were very strict kind of in the early up. Remember the first doctor, he was like, you cannot change anything. Like not <laughs> yes. a line of text of history can be changed. And yeah, you know, yeah. And, and the, the new doctor who was, ah, oh, it's all wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey. <laughs> yeah. Which like, they I, I like care. some of the new doctor who stuff, but it, it, it definitely yeah, broke. It made, yeah. made it harder and harder to do the series. The more and more silly well, they got with rearranging time. The, the guy, after was it who's the 10th doctor was that david Tennant or was Tenet. that that was david, david Tennant. Right? Yeah. I, I liked him a lot but yeah after the third series of him it was like dude you've rewritten human history yeah. modern human history like dozens of times now i have no idea what's going on or what the stakes yeah. are at all how many yeah. times have the daleks completely resurrected and wiped out to a man like how, how many times can you play that, that card that was something that infuriated me about the new series they, they like you say they 
they they only started the series with the, where the Daleks wiped out. They brought yeah, them back, and it was like, ooh, that was like, that was impactful. He he wiped out his own people to destroy the Daleks, but it turned out he didn't. But every Dalek episode would end with they've been totally erased from history, and then next season they're back, and it's like. You don't the need whole to, thing is you, back. Yeah. You don't need to eradicate them every time there's a Dalek episode. You can just have a Dalek episode and he defeats the Daleks. That's the end of the story. Bring him back the next back season. in the but 60s, it worked. Yeah. We're now talking about Doctor Who. But like the point is that I have a tempestuous relationship with time travel movies. This okay. is, I, I think they, they need to be unidirectional time travel, more or less. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna mess with time, you can push against the time stream once. And try in a, in a desperate attempt to save your fate. Okay, I'm fine with that. I, I really want to get you at some point to read The End of Eternity with me and do a review of it, because I'd be very intrigued by your reaction okay. to that. It, but you have to play at least the first two Legacy of Cain Soul Eater games. Oh, God damn. I don't play any video games. I can't. And yet you will play these. And the I second even, I don't even have a ga- video game console. You'll and... emulate it. I'll show you how to emulate it, you, you old Gen X fogey. <laughs> Can you even do that on a Mac? I'm on a Mac. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you can. Um, you can get yeah. it officially from Steam, even. Okay. That's the, the uh, official thing I'm putting on record that we're going to do. I don't care what we actually do. But but for legal purposes, that's what we're going what to do. What game is this we're talking okay. about again? Legacy oh, well, let's hang on. Let's end the, let, let, let Brandon end the podcast, and we can talk about video <laughs> yeah. games. I just so want everyone to know how much we're going to get into time travel after this. So there so we <laughs> Let's finish the podcast. And so we're going to Good night, out. everybody. Yeah. We're gonna head out, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be on next time. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we'll do something. And um, we should have done this at the beginning, but like I said, you should check out Joel's Lone Wolf Fist game, which is <laughs> yeah. fabulous. You should check out Related my emotions. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, Sons uh, of Lady Eighty Seven book, and, and my Wandering Heroes of Oakgate stuff, and all the other stuff. Just go to our websites. Um, go buy our stuff. Check out blog. Blog. He's got some yeah. righteous blood, ruthless blades, uh, sword and sorcery rules. Yeah. He's playing around with on the blog. So yeah, the, blog. the bedrock blog. You can look up. And Joel, do you have a blog or do you kind yeah, of the bring it on? Design blog. Okay. I'm there once every year or ten. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'll end it here, and I will talk to you guys later. All right.